Today we begin a new series on intimacy. And in today's society, when you mention the word intimacy, most people begin to think about sex and romance. Baby, let's get intimate. Now, I didn't say let's get it on. That's what you heard because of the music that you used to listen to. But yeah, that's what people think when you talk about intimacy in today's society. It is let's, let's get it on. Uh, Prince Hakeem, in coming to America, said, someone to kiss, someone to miss. When you're away to hear from each day, to be loved, to be loved. Bum, 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 I want to get next to you. That's what we think about in our culture. The moment you talk about intimacy, we start talking about getting physical and, um, and sex and, and romance. And, and when it comes to this word intimacy, most people have a one-track mind. You know what a one-track mind is? People enter into relationships and they kind of have an end goal and it's usually some form of physical consummation. Here's the thing. Intimacy is not just a physical transaction. It is an intellectual and an emotional investment. Intimacy is not just what we do physically in a relationship. Intimacy is intellectual and emotional in nature, it is an investment in relationship with the other person that actually transcends what we do physically. And just because you're in the same house, husbands and wives, doesn't mean that you are intimate. Just because you're in the same bed doesn't mean that you're intimate. Watch this. Just because you're physically engaged in what married people do doesn't mean that you are intimate because intimacy requires mutual trust and emotional closeness. And you can go through the physical motions and not have the intellectual and the emotional proximity. Intimacy requires mutual trust and emotional closeness. And here's the thing about intimacy. It's not just about romance. You can experience intimacy with your family. You can encounter intimacy with friends. And here's the powerful thing, that God wants you to enjoy intimacy with him. Intimacy. God wants you to enjoy mutual trust and emotional closeness. God doesn't want your service to him to be purely transactional. And oftentimes that's how we treat it. We come to church because we want something rather than wanting someone. We come to church because of the gifts that we can receive rather than embracing the giver. We come to service in order to perform our rituals and our religious acts and traditions, yet we miss the opportunity to grow closer to the God of all creation. God wants intimacy with us. And just because you're in the church building doesn't mean that you're intimate with God. Just because you lift your hands doing worship doesn't mean you're intimate with God. Just because you got your little two-step and a shout doesn't mean that you're intimate with God. And just because you're preaching or working in ministry doesn't mean that you are intimacy 
or you are intimate with God. This is the hour where God wants intimacy. And we should want intimacy as well. So the question is, how do we cultivate this intimacy with God? I want to give you three keys today on how you can regain, if you've lost it, intimacy with God, and how you can establish intimacy with God. I want to give you three keys to either regaining or establishing intimacy with God. The first key is interruption. The second key is intentionality. The third key is inquiry. Intention. You want to have interruption. You want to have inquiry. There must be an interruption to gain intimacy with God. There must be an intention and there must be inquiry. Let's start here. Too often, life gets in the way of our intimacy with the Father. Life. What's life? Situations and circumstances. Trials and tribulations. Problems and issues. And for many of us, the reason why we are not close to God is because we feel like all of the stuff going around us prohibits us from having that deep relationship with him. Raising kids. Pursuing a career, trying to build your profession, trying to do things and stuff that, 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 that trying to do and accomplish the work of ministry even can hinder us from having an intimate relationship with him. Sometimes we get on a hamster wheel. We're just going and going and going. We have a daily routine. It's mundane. Parents, you know, we wake up. Get our kids out of bed, make sure they're ready for school, put food on their table, get them on the bus. Then we got to go to work. It's like this routine and we just keep going and going and going. And before we know it, we don't have intimacy with the Lord. That can be a daily routine. But then also in ministry, sometimes we get caught in a rut. We're just doing what we have to do or what we feel like someone's told us to do. And we just keep going and going and going and going. And we're fulfilling a task, but we've lost our intimacy with God. Sometimes in life, you have to interrupt your regularly scheduled programming. Sometimes in life, you got to stop and say, you know what? I'm going to break here and I'm going to refocus my attention God will give you divine interruptions where you stop the rut and you get back to the Lord. In today's passage, we see David in the midst of a really difficult trial and tribulation. Here's what was going on in David's life. David was actually being chased and there were enemies who were trying to destroy him. Literally, he was plagued with people trying to kill him. Family, can you imagine the paranoia of having someone everywhere you turn trying to take you out? Can you imagine the paranoia of someone literally trying to kill you, trying to destroy you? You can imagine how your mind would be playing tricks on you. How everywhere you go, you see the shadow of what could be your demise. Can you imagine how consuming that is? How consuming it is to know that someone is coming after you, trying to take your life. 
I'm sure David wrestled in his humanity with the mental reality of someone trying to destroy him. However, we see in the passage of scripture that David makes a choice. We know it has to be a choice because we see in Psalm 21 or Psalm 27 and 1, he says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. He's saying, you know what? Enemies are coming after me, but I am reminded that the Lord is my light and my salvation. I've got people coming after me trying to destroy my life, but I'm going to intentionally focus on the God who's going to keep me in the midst of my persecution. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came up against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though why? Through through war, though war may rise against me, this I will be confident. David literally had enemies surrounding him. The north, the south, the east, and the west. Have you ever found yourself in life with problems and situations that are consuming? If it's not one thing, it's another thing. Just when you overcome one challenge, here comes another one. Have you ever found yourself surrounded by life's difficulties? David is saying that there are enemies encamped around me. But I'm not going to forget where my help comes from and where my strength comes from. I don't know about you and what enemies are rising up against you. I don't know what troubles are weighing on your mind. But here's what I want you to understand about intimacy with God. If you want to cultivate intimacy with God, you have to learn how to interrupt your worry with worship. If you want to have an intimate relationship with the Lord, you have to learn how to interrupt your worry with worship. I've got enemies surrounding me, but I'm not going to focus on the enemies I'm going to focus on the God that's greater than my enemies. I'm going to make the intentional decision, listen to me, to interrupt my worry and focus on the only God who can help me in the midst of my situation. What the enemy wants to do is he wants us to get so focused on our enemies, so focused on our adversaries, so focused on our troubles, our problems, our situations, so focused on what's wrong that we forget the one who is always right. He wants us to become distracted by the problems of life because he knows that if we ever really refocus on God, that he is the strength of our life and he is the one who helps us to endure all the troubles and all the problems that we have. So if you want to regain intimacy with God, you've got to interrupt your pity party. The best way to interrupt your pity party is through worship. You've got to interrupt your focus on your haters. Stop talking about your haters. Nobody wants to hear about your haters. You are so consumed by your haters and what you think your haters are doing against you that you miss the reality that God is greater than your haters. Don't focus on your haters. Focus on God. Interrupt your worry with worship. Interrupt Whatever situations and trials have you up at night, stop the cycle and begin to realign your focus with God. Worship is a divine interruption that's always welcome. If you feel far from God and consumed by your circumstances, interrupt your worry with some worship. 
Here's what worry does. Worry magnifies your issues. Worry magnifies your problems. Worry magnifies your difficulties. Dare I say that worry gives glory to the enemy rather than giving glory to God. You're so focused on your problems and your issues that you are magnifying them and they have become enlarged in your life and now you are consumed by the difficulties that surround you. But God is saying, I need you to refocus on me. Don't magnify your problems. Magnify the God that's greater than your problems. Magnify the Lord. That's what worship does. It places a magnifying glass on your creator and reminds you to keep the main thing the main thing. Worry magnifies your problems, but worship magnifies the God who is bigger than your problems. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came up against me to eat my flesh and my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though the war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Now look at how David continues in verse number four. He says one thing, one thing, one thing I have desired of the Lord. That will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, all the days of my life. So we went from David being in a desperate situation and interrupting his focus on his enemies to focus on the one and only true God. And then we see him shifting to a place of intentionality. He says, one thing, one thing that I desire. When you set your mind on one thing, you intend to do that one thing. David is saying, in the midst of all this drama, in the midst of all this difficulty, I have one intention. I have one desire. What's that desire? That I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The second key to cultivating intimacy is intentionality. David, in the midst of his trouble, had a one-track mind. He had a one-track mind. All he wanted to do was to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the midst of the problems of life, he said, the only way to overcome this is for me to get into the presence of the Lord. That's how I'm going to overcome. That's where my safety is. What I found that is in life, Christians and church folk, we tend to run away from God during life's troubles rather than running to him. There's something in our human nature that causes us to flee the presence of the Lord rather than running to his presence. But we have to be like David and we have to have a one track mind. My desire is to be in his presence and in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of my enemies, I'm going to find myself in the place of worship and in the place of his presence. David had a one track mind. So when you get to a place of maturity, you no longer focus on the problems, but you focus on getting to the only person who can provide a solution for your problems, and that's God himself. David had a one-track mind. When trouble comes, run to the house of the Lord, not away. Desire his presence. And we know that the house of the Lord isn't open 24-7. In fact, you being here today it's just a model of the type of lifestyle you should live because not only should you have an altar at 35 Benham, there should be an altar in your home. Not, not only should there be moments of worship on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock once the service begins, there ought to be moments of worship at home by yourself. There ought to be a lifestyle 
of worship where you have a desire and that is to dwell in his presence. I may not be able to get to the house of the Lord, but I understand that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm saved and I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, I can establish a place of worship right now. You've got to learn how to worship in the midst of your difficulties. You can be sitting at your cubicle in worship. You can be sitting in your car in traffic trying to get from Stanford back to Bridgeport and the spirit of the Lord can overwhelm you and you drive with your eyes wide open but tears falling from your eyes because one thing that you desire of the Lord and that which you seek after is to dwell in his presence and wherever he is that's where I want to be and if the Holy Spirit is inside of me then I have the authority to establish a place of worship right here right now when trouble comes God wants us to have a one-track mind run to his presence when I was growing up and there were difficulties in my life my instinct was to run to my father to run to my mother because I know that if I can get to mama if I can get to daddy uh, I don't know what to do but they'll know what to do we have to develop this mindset that there is something special and significant that we can only get in the presence of of God. When things get shaky in my life, I need a one-track mind. You know the one-track mind that we had when we wanted something that was not of God in the world? Some of us would move heaven and earth to get what we moaned. You know, fellas had every line in the book. When we wanted that worldly intimacy, we would stop at nothing to achieve our goal. If you had a problem with addiction, You had a one-track mind. Every conversation was just setting you up to get what you ultimately desired. Desire is a powerful thing. And my prayer in this hour for the church is that God would help us to have a desire for him. Lord, I want you more than anything else. Lord, I want to have a one-track mind with you. I want to pursue you above all things. That's why fasting is powerful, because some of us want a cheeseburger more than we want an anointing. Some of us want to fill our belly more than we want to fill our spirit. And God will put you on a fast to kindle again your desire for him. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I need to get into his presence so I can hear from him. Some of us are wrestling with difficulties in life and you're asking your friends and you're asking your family. And God is saying, I need you to get to a place of intimacy with me. I need you to take worship seriously. I need you to spend some time at the altar. I need you to turn off that Facebook and that Instagram and turn off the radio so that you can hear from me. I need you to silence all notifications because I'm trying to download something in your life. You've got to have a one-track mind that what I need is from God himself. Intentionality. You want to get intimate with the Lord? Make it your desire. It starts by saying, Lord, I want that. You may not know how to accomplish it yet, but you ought to start with saying, I want that. See, some people don't want an intimate relationship with the Lord. Because the closer you get to God, the more he starts dealing with your stuff. (laughs) The the closer you get, the more real it gets. The the more he begins to deal with your issues, your problems. The, The more he begins to tell you what you really need to hear. 
But you got to understand that our walk with the Lord is important to every other endeavor in our lives. That you'll just be on a hamster wheel until you come to him. You'll just be going in circles. Round and round you go. Until you stop. Until you interrupt your regularly scheduled broadcast. To get to a place where you're intentional about seeking him. You need a one-track mind. I got to get to his presence. And the third and final key to regaining intimacy is inquiry. Inquiry. Psalm 27 and 4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Watch this. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. David says, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. And I want to inquire in his temple. When's the last time you came into the presence of the Lord just to look at him? Remember, intimacy is more than just a physical transaction. It is an intellectual and an emotional investment. Husbands, can I help you out in your marriage? See, your wife wants more from you than just the physical. She wants an intellectual and an emotional investment. It's not just about the physical. There must be a love and an adoration that goes beyond the physical. The type of love that just causes you to just gaze at her. What you looking at? I'm just just looking. Watch this. What do you want? Getting what I need right now. (laughs) What are you posturing for? What are you positioning for? I'm just doing this because I love you. I want to seek your face and not your hand. Your relationship with God shifts when you just want to gaze upon his beauty. I'm not here because I want something. I'm not here because I'm trying to manipulate the hand of God. I'm not here because I'm trying to fadangle something or trying to produce or create or manufacture something. No, 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 no. All I want is to be in his presence. And if he doesn't do anything, if he doesn't heal my body, just the fact that I got to gaze upon him is worth the days that I spent on this earth. If I never get rich, let the weak say I am Strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done. He's already provided enough. If he never does another thing, I'm grateful because he saved my soul. He rescued me from death and destruction. You've got to get to the place where you just love God because of who he is. You're not just calling him and bugging him because you want something. You want him. So David says, I I just want to behold his, his beauty, the beauty of the Lord. And I want to inquire in his temple. Here's the concept of inquiry. When we approach God, we're not just asking him for stuff for us. When you inquire about something, you're asking about the thing that you are inquiring about. So, so intimacy with God starts with us saying, Lord, I want to know you. Not, Lord, I'm asking you questions about stuff that I need and stuff that I want. Lord, I want to make inquiry of you. So as I spend time in your presence, as I gaze upon your beauty, I want to know your will. I want to know your ways. I want to get intimate with you. 
If I seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto me. But but it's not coming sideways and you're just doing that because you want something. No, you truly want to know his ways. You truly want to spend time in his presence. Husbands, let me tell you, when you learn how to just love your wife, spend time in her presence, cultivate relationship because you simply love her. The extras come. Why? Because you have made an investment that's beyond just a physical transaction. In our nature, this is hard to do because we live in a society that's always trying to get something, always trying to gain something. People come to you, what's your angle? What do you want from me? In today's culture, people will spend three years, four years around you just to posture and position for something. Have you fooled? Thinking you got one thing, but they were there for a totally different reason. That's the nature of man. But I want to teach you about the nature of God. There's nothing that you have that God needs. There are things that he wants, that he requests, but he don't need nothing from you. What he wants is your undivided attention. He wants you to learn how to inquire in this temple. He wants us to get to a place of intimacy. What interruptions do you need to make in your life? What needs to have a hard stop? Ministry leaders, those of you who serve in ministry, every once in a while you need to take a break. So you're not just rambling down this railroad, these railroad tracks of just doing stuff for people and everybody else, yet you have not ministered to the one who commissioned you. It's so easy in ministry. We're so busy ministering to everybody else that we forget that God wants us to minister unto him. How do we minister unto him? By offering our life as a sacrifice. How do we minister to him? By being intentional about getting into his presence. How do we minister to him? By making inquiry of him. Lord, what do you want? How are you moving? Others of you, you're not involved in ministry, but your life is a mess. It's a wreck. And you're just going through the motions. You're looking for something new. Some of you might be here at this church. This is a new opportunity for you. You're looking for something that's going to get you over this edge. And God is saying, what you need is me. You're just thinking, if I get a better job, if I get a new house, if I get into a better relationship with someone, if, 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 if this is fixed, then, then everything will be all right. And God is saying, I want you to come to me. I want you to be like David, one thing that you should desire and seek after is to dwell in my presence, says the Lord. An inquiry. God is saying, I want you to seek my face, not my hand. The good thing about our good father is that he will provide for his children. But we have to reverse. We've gotten things inverted in today's culture. We seek after everything else and then we get to God when we get to him. We bought the lie of the enemy that we can just go and do everything else and neglect the primary thing. The primary thing is our relationship 
with him. Intimacy is what he desires with us. And intimacy is what you should desire for him. In this moment, I want you to stand on your feet and I want to pray this prayer. A prayer of intimacy. I want you to join me to pray for a revival of our hearts. During the next few weeks, we're just going to go deeper and deeper into this concept of intimacy with the Lord. And ultimately, we want to be changed and transformed. I don't know about you, but I don't want to drive crusty relationship with God. (laughs) Some of y'all got that imagery. Relationship with God is just dry and crusty, hanging on by a thread. God wants you to have a lush, fertile, vibrant, organic, wonderful relationship with him. And it starts with you having a one-track mind. If you want that one-track mind, lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your presence. I thank you for the opportunity to study your word. I thank you for the example of David, a man who was after your own heart, a man who was not perfect, but a man who pursued you, a man who had many enemies, many trials and many tribulations, but he knew where his source was. He knew how to enlarge you and magnify you and not magnify his problems. Father, help us have a one-track mind like him to be intentional about pursuing you, to be intentional about pursuing your heart and pursuing your face. We make inquiry of you right now in this atmosphere of worship. We ask you, Father, we ask you, Lord, to help us to get beyond the barriers, to get beyond the walls, Lord. Address our walls right now. Address the things that we have allowed to be set up between you and I. The things that hinder us, dear God, from really going in. The things that keep us distant and detached. Lord, we want to address those walls during these next 30 days. And we pray that the end result, Father, would be a more intimate relationship with you. Thank you for your investment in us. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross for us. Thank you for the new life that has been afforded to us. Now, Lord, we invest ourselves in more of you so that you can be glorified. Father, let this moment of worship be a seed into the intimacy that you want us to cultivate on a daily basis. As we get ready to lift our hands and give ourselves away, as we get ready, dear God, to just let you move and yield ourselves to the moment, this moment of intimacy which you have set up. I pray, Father, that you would help us, dear God, to start a new trend, a trend of worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we are ready to go deeper. Take us deeper. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to begin to sing this song, Withholding Nothing. As we sing this song, the altar is going to be open and available. No prayer ministers today because I want the Lord to minister to you directly. Sometimes we rely upon people and God wants us to learn how to rely upon him.